What's going on, all you amazing people out there? The Clint Norris Show is back in the building once again, bringing you another fantastic episode. This week, we got the one and only, he is buff, he is the stuff, and the girls just can't get enough. Buff Bagwell's on the show today, ladies and gentlemen. Um, So, when I was a kid, I was a huge, huge wrestling fan. Like, I was a maniac for anything like NWO or WCW. So today's episode is is definitely like fun for me. <laughs> Cause like when I was a kid, I would play the wrestling games and it didn't occur to me these were real people up until like a little later. So like to me, they were like Marvel characters, you know, like come to life. So very cool, very cool stuff we got going on today. So from this episode forward, all questions are going to be answered after the podcast. So if you got a question, you want to hit me up, that is the Clinton Norris Show at gmail.com. You can also call. That number is 612-888-0031. We're not going to waste any more time and we are going to get right to it. Marcus Bagwell, what is going on, man? Welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Doing good, man. How you doing? I am I am doing excellent. I was just telling him beforehand, my wife was trying to fight me on this. She's like, oh, you're interviewing the guy with tattoos for hair. I'm like, no, that is a completely different person. Funny quick story with Bam Bam. Um, I wrestled him in Vegas and it came down to a fire extinguisher. And no, how many fire extinguishers have you ever shot off in your life? One. Okay. I've shot off zero at the time. Oh, so God. I didn't really know what it did. It takes the oxygen out of the air. If you ever watch the match, there's only one match I do that in. We all almost die. <laughs> and I still got to go to the top rope and hit a blockbuster with no oxygen. It was brutal, but it was a really good match between me and Bam Bam and Sandman comes down too. But I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I guess the whole point of a fire extinguisher is to get the oxygen out of the air. So, man, yeah, that's a really good I never even thought of that. And what do you need? At about the 15 minute mark with pro wrestling, you need some air. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I heard you on uh, 83 Weeks. That was really, really great podcast he did yeah. uh, with me on that. Man, they were, you know, they're great. Those guys are great anyway, but it's just, it just adds something to it when, you know, when their show's called 83 Weeks and your character happened to be a major part of that, <laughs> you oh, know, so yeah. it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I mean, like every Monday morning, I'm there. I'm one of the first people to listen. My only thing is um, with that, I didn't know who a certain pro wrestling journalist was prior to listening to that podcast. And it's a little bit like when a girl keeps talking about her ex-boyfriend over and over again. It's like, that's great. I don't care about that person, man. <laughs> like, I don't right, care. Right. It has nothing to do with like the whole reason I'm tuning in. Right. <laughs> but yeah, shout out to uh, Conrad Thompson, man. Yeah, dude, um, Conrad's a, a great guy, man, and uh, he he knows he just knows the business yeah. so well, and um, just how, how he's a really great guy. And Eric, Eric too, he's you know throughout all the stuff you hear, bad and good, he just always was great in my life. Always. Do you still kind of see him like as your boss a little bit, or not really? I don't think I'll never not see him as my boss. I mean, it just mm -hmm. because he just was such a powerhouse of working for you know he'd be like a he'd be like a very very powerful head football coach of you never forgetting that coach and he's he definitely fits that role because you got to realize man there was nobody 
my age working for Eric Bischoff. Nobody. I was the youngest cat out there, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I didn't realize you were quite a bit younger than everybody else. Like, you were, what, hey, like 25? By this many. By 10 at the very minimum. Oh, wow. Um, it's, it's about, the whole clique seemed to be about 11, 12 or more older than me. Did you guys get, like, mobbed everywhere you went, being, like, a TV star and everything? Oh, yeah, man. Like, it was like, well, see, my ride was, you know, my ride was nobody knew us. I was I was a 20-year-old kid uh, working for World Championship Wrestling, and my boss was Ted Turner, and, and nobody cared. And I didn't get it. I didn't hmm. get it, but I learned it very quickly that nobody cared. Everybody cared about the WWF. And so I'd be on a go. So I dodged the question, you know, they'd be like, what do you guys do for a living? And the last thing I did was say pro wrestling. I'd be like, uh, you know, we work for, I work for Ted Turner. Okay. Hmm. So a couple more holes in the golf course. And then, so what do you guys do now? I go, well, we, 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 we're in the entertainment department. Oh, okay. Okay. And finally they're, they're all over you. And so finally you're like, uh, I, I pro wrestling. And they're like, what? You mean that fake stuff? And you mean like WWF stuff? And I'm like, well, and you had to explain it so many times. Well, we're WCW. We're all about, you try to you try to make it better by saying, you know, what Ted Turner owns us. And, you know, we're, we're, we make money. And, and they're just all looking at you like you're crazy, you know. And then every once in a while, you have to do something like, yeah, that's that's my Mercedes out there parked next to your Nissan, <laughs> you know. But because <laughs> I just didn't think we made money or anything. So you finally, so everything I had to defend my whole career, thank God, was paid off by WCW kicking WWF's ass. And it was just a lot of fun to do that, you know? I heard you in another podcast say, like, I think it was like 98, 99, Vince McMahon contacted you about working for him, maybe, but you turned him down? If my timeline would have been, it probably would have been 99, because I 99. broke my neck 98. And I made it back in that in 10 months. That was April of 98. So it was early 99 when I was over. Because I got over not being in the ring. I got over as Buff Bagwell because I was hurt. So I kind of created Buff Bagwell being injured. The top hat and all that stuff was during my injury because I was trying to get me over because I couldn't wrestle. And then all of a sudden I had the top hat and I was over and I hadn't even climbed in the ring. So when I got to the ring and was buffed back, well, man, it really took off, you know. So, um, but yeah, ninety nine, Vince McMahon contacted me and and did the whole back then. The back then the protocol thing with WWF was they contacted you, they flew you and your wife up, uh, first class limousine pickup. You went to his house. You uh, he could he had dinner for you. You talked about contract. You talked about money, and then he first class you first class home. Ticket, limo, all that stuff. And so we're doing that procedure. He calls me, hey, come on, check it out. Let's talk. Me and my wife, first class, limos, whole nine yards. We land. And I'm thinking back now that I think probably the buying of WCW was in the mix at this stage because mm. he didn't want me to come to the house. Something came up, which who knows what. But <clears throat> He wanted to meet at my hotel. So he rents out a boardroom with just me and my wife and Shane and Vince in a hotel room. And I mean, into a, a boardroom. And we just kind of talked for about 30 minutes, just shooting the shit, 
shook hands, met each other, and he asked a couple questions like, you know, what do you think wrestling means to you? And and I said, I told him what I thought it meant, and how great it was, and what it takes to be over with yays and boos, and you know, and just the way I looked at it and stuff. And I told him how I felt. Hey Nathan, and so he, um, you know, he, we really got along real well. Got home. And when I signed that contract in the hospital, you got to realize I signed a $2 million contract for three years. And um, when I had a broke neck in 1998, so Eric sent my contract to me in the hospital bed because I wanted to sign my contract because I'd worked hard for that payoff of that contract. And all I had with that is a handshake with Eric Bischoff. And so I could have easily, Eric could have said, look, bro, we don't know what's wrong with you. We don't know if you're going to be okay. But Eric said, look, man, you're Buff Bagwell and we can do anything with you. We can, you can be an announcer for us. Hell, you can be a referee as Buff Bagwell. You're so over, you're in. And I was like, okay. I said, well, so I, so I didn't push it with all the things I could have taken out of my contract. I was just a professional guy that did what a buddy of mine did by giving me a contract deal and I turned to the very back page, made sure the money was right, and signed my name. And so I could have I could have took I could have taken out several things I needed to take out if I wanted to make a move like this. But I didn't want to do that to Eric. I didn't want to push it because I love WCW and I didn't want to go nowhere. But I'll be honest with you, I I know Eric don't know this story, and he may not even believe it. But this story truthfully happened. That's not one you want to share with your boss, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so, no kidding. But but. Yeah, but Vince did call me back up and he said, man, uh, he goes, your contract is ironclad. And that's why I just told you about me signing it and not taking anything out. Right, I signed right, just a right. basic contract. It was two million bucks, but it was just a basic <sighs> deal. So he couldn't, there was no loopholes to get out of it or anything. So he just said, look, man, you know, we love you. And well, hopefully, he goes, we will do business. I said, absolutely, we will. We'll definitely do business again one day. Fast forward, he buys our company, and I go from Buff Bagwell to, what's your name again, buddy? <laughs> that would have been crazy to see you coming down the ramp on a WWF show. Would that have been well, a That's what we were going to do. It was going to be the full-fledged attack that, yeah. you know, the, that hidden attack like Lex did on Nitro. Yeah. WCW. It was going to be that same kind of attack, but, you know. Again, I'd been the first one that jumped ship from WCW and went to events that was impactful. And before I could make that impactful hit, he bought our company. <laughs> was this like when uh, like Big Show left and like Eddie Guerrero and then uh, uh, nobody Blanco? had left. That's so now, interesting. Eddie, you Eddie were his first probably, pick. I think Eddie was already there, but that's okay. about it. And I was over, man. It was I was really over i just signed a two million dollar deal with world championship wrestling i was i was happy so but at the same time with vince calling me i was really excited about that too and i just but it was good to know that okay i, I at least know i got somewhere that i got somebody else that's interested you know yeah could you have just sat on your contract like a, a lot of guys did when that happened and just wait for it to run out the reason you saw me dallas and booker t first was not because we wanted to be seen first it was because oh. our contracts were up so Oh, had, okay, okay. Yeah. So the guys that you didn't see just means their contracts wasn't up. So when when Vince McMahon bought World Championship Wrestling, he had to pay for all those contracts. Your Goldbergs, your Stings, your Lugers, some guys just had re-upped their contract. 
Some guys didn't, like Booker T, me, and Dallas. We had great deals, but they were up within a few months of Vince buying our company. WCW sold for what, like like a measly two million or something like that? Like so like nuts, so like the contracts themselves were actually worth a hundred times more than the actual company. That's really interesting. Luger was sitting at home making two million by itself. Wow. That's that's crazy. Did you go to New Japan at all? I got really over in Japan with Scott Norton right before I broke my neck. I went over to WCW, sent me over with Scott Norton as vicious and delicious, but mainly as the um, uh, as NWO. And they had Mm. their own NWO. And they thought oh, right. we yeah, were, yeah. yeah, they, they were the Muda, Muda and uh, the guy with the mafia kick. They're, all their main guys were their NWO in Japan. Yeah. And so they had their NWO in Japan and we had our NWO. So the NWO Sting would come over to, Jeff Farmer would come to in, in, in Japan with us over there. Mm-hmm. And it just, it was, it was very over over there. And, and Buff Bagwell was, was going to get Scott Norton killed is what he thought because of the way that I did my gimmick and the way I made fun of all the wrestlers and everything. Once they (laughs) caught on, once they caught on that I was a team player, they loved me, but I'd go out and, you know, do the, the sumo guy would, you know, you know, you do all that. And I'd I'd imitate the guy and man, (laughs) they'd get mad at me. They thought I was really making fun of them. And, but they didn't understand that if I made fun of them and then they beat me up, it looks makes them look great. Yeah. Once they yeah. once they learned that, Buff Bagwell got over in Japan. And so when I came back from that is when it really worked in Japan because Eric Bischoff saw how over I got in Japan. And then, you know, when I came at WCW, there were arms wide open to do the contract. Uh okay. I what did I what did I ask you? Uh going going back to New Japan once uh, WCW folded. The New Japan thing, I didn't go back. Uh, after when WCW went down, the New Japan thing, um, you know, I was really over over there, so I really thought a lot would come from it. Well, during during the – when it first ended, WCW first ended, um, Australia is what got popular. A guy named yeah. Andrew McManus opened up World Wrestling All-Stars. as something you should check on and look at because it's all – the chain, great stuff, because everybody that the WWF didn't have, they worked for this World Wrestling All-Stars. We had Sting, Steiners, Sid Vicious, Luger, Bagwell. Um, I mean, everybody that was anybody was there if Vince hmm. didn't have them. It was a hell of a – Jeff Jarrett's. I mean, it was just a hell of a card. It was a great card. Oh, wow. And matter of fact, that happened before TNA stuff, I think. I remember my contract – ended and i think it was three months of pay you got but i remember the date it was october the 15th was when i did not when i was completely not with the wwf anymore and i left for australia the next day so october 15th of 2001 was when australia was the bomb and everybody was there booker t's everybody then we came back to deal with WWF stuff. Interesting. Okay, I had no yeah. idea about this. Yeah, it was it's called WWA World Wrestling All Stars, 
And this is where Jeff thought of the TNA stuff. Okay. So, man, how did I miss this? Yeah, WWA. Wow. Yeah, uh, World Wrestling in Australia. I mean, it was a big deal, man. The guy that ran it, his name was Andrew McManus. And he was a, he was like, he did like a lot of Rolling Stones and rock concerts and stuff. I mean, it was first class, making oh, big wow. money. Road Dog, Jarrett, Booker T, Sid, Lex, me, Sting, Steiners. Uh, I mean, just a lot of a lot of talent, man, was there. A ton of talent. Was that just like a one-time thing, or was it like uh a... No, we were there for about about a half a year. I'd say six months. Oh wow. I did like I did like six tours over there. Is it still around? No, it went it went down like everything else does in business in wrestling business. <laughs> but I it was like... a, it was it was I mean it was gonna be a it was gonna be a big deal and we were gonna make it. I mean it was a and we were we were doing thirty thousand people in venues, you know, and then it just oh, wow. it fizzled out too, you know. Were you ever uh, contacted about the group that they made in TNA? It was like uh, Nash, Sting, Steiner, uh, Kurt Angle. It was like... And they had the suits? Yeah. What was that called? Uh, oh, man. I just can't think of the name. I remember it was a cool deal, but no, yeah. I wasn't in that. I didn't, they didn't. But they did call me, and I really fit into a spot that they were doing with Sting needing a tag team partner. And he had, had Lex come in for it. They had me come in for it. And who was going to be the big partner for Sting. And I was in tip-top shape, ready to go, ready to do everything. And they picked a guy that's over now, but he, I don't think he was then, um, Samoa Joe. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was cool. Uh, a great guy. I, I mean, he's got a great workability and all that stuff, but – I just thought that I fit more to be with Sting, being WCW and yeah. being the guy that used to help me with my career and save me and all that stuff. There was much more ties with me and Sting. I mean, yeah, I, people had seen you and him on TV for like 15 years, so it'd be a little right? strange to just switch it last minute. Yeah, that's a, that's a little yeah, and they had, they had a big board, they had a big signing of the deal, and it was a, it was done really well at TNA and yeah, and I mean. I, I even think they were going to have me in as it, and it just kind of fizzled out and went away, you know? You still talk to Sting? I haven't spoke to him this go around, uh, but he's been there for me every time that, you know, I'd venture off and I'd get back clean again or thought I was clean again. And this time, um, you know, I was able to really stick to everything. And I, I know I'm going to be able to this time only because of, what I've done with my aftercare. I before was very adamant about 30 days and you're good. And, you know, I'm clean now. I can do this. I got it. I was cocky about having it. This is easy to stay clean. And none of that's true. And I took it. I didn't listen to the 90 meetings, the 90 days, a joke, um, a sponsor. You got to be kidding me. And like I explained on Eric's show, the 83 weeks, you got to be a follower in this one. And I'm not used to being a follower. So, but in this addiction thing, it seemed to be the role of what I had to take to be successful here. And it was to, to follow. And, you know, the saying used to be lead, follow, or get the hell out of the way. So hmm. it's not a negative thing to follow. It just was presented to me as a child, as I grew up in my family, I grew up in that, being a follower wasn't the cool way. I was a leader. You know, I'm a leader. And 
you got to be a leader to make it in life, period. But you really got to be a leader to make it in, in wrestling. And so I was a leader, but in addiction, man, you got to be a you got to be a follower. You got to listen. And the ninety meeting, the ninety days does work. Having a sponsor does work. And I've just been in my life that following thing didn't work for me. But in addiction, it has, it does, and it will work. That's awesome, man. I saw you got a certification on Instagram. Yeah. That's awesome, man. What was that for? I couldn't read it. I uh, I graduated. I went to 30 days at Black Bear Recovery in North Georgia Mountains. And then I um, I graduated it. And then I went straight down. I mean, day 31, I was at a place called Tangu that's in Atlanta, Georgia, right here in Marietta. And um and then that's what's called aftercare. And that's what I never used to listen to. Uh, I never believed in that aftercare thing. 30 days was was a, a ton of time. And that's four whole weeks. And, oh, my God, 30 days. And that's plenty. And I'm sober now. But it don't work like that. You got to – it's something you got to really live. You can't just say, well, I've been off pills for 30 days now. I'm okay because it don't work. So this time I really did the right thing. I went to aftercare at Tangu. Then that, that process was 90 days. So by the time I did those two, that's 120 days clean. My sobriety date was August 27th of 2022. And if you add that up, I think today's like 150 something today. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So did, uh, did like DDP reach out to you first or like, how did, how did it all happen? My niece, my niece is kind of what happened. Uh, my niece has been in my life, my whole life and not my whole life, but her whole life. I've been in it. And she was, it's very special, very special woman. Her name's Jonna, uh, Jonna Bagwell. And she, um, came into my life from a very young age. And my brother's got a bunch of, he's got several kids with, with two different women and, it was just very hard for him to do all the kids and stuff. So I got really attached to Jonna. It was kind of like her father. And um, even though I was her uncle, I was more like her father and just really stepped in and played a, a big role. And, um, and she just was just always into my life and she always loved me uh, deeply. And she saw me fading off and she stepped in and helped me uh, a little bit and saw a little bit what was going on. And so we reconnected and then she really saw me kind of really diving in to this injury with my right knee and just seeing the, the alcohol starting to get more and more and uh, the pills getting a little bit worse and worse. And then so she's the one that started it all of it. And then Dallas and Steve, you really were like, hey, man, we got to do something about this. So Dallas is the one that stood in and said, look, it's time to, it's time for you to go, re go to rehab or, or John is gone. I'm gone. We're, everybody's totally cutting you off if you don't go to rehab. And I think they thought I was going to argue about it a little bit more, but I was like, let's go. I'm ready. You know? So I went, did, uh, have you like been friends with DDP throughout the years then? I'm assuming, I'm assuming you have been. Me and Dallas went against each other at WCW as rookie of the year. Oh really? Wow. He's 14. He's 14 years older than me and wow. he's, on paper, he's 20 years younger than me in person. <laughs> <laughs> but so, on paper, you know, we were, you know, we were against each other on uh, the rookie of the year. And I beat him on the WCW rookie of the year. But he 
he won Pro Wrestling Illustrated Rookie of the Year, which wow. is considered really the the bigger one. I just wanted to be I wanted to be on the TV one, you know, the WCW one. Yeah. But he was up against me during Rookie of the Year, so we broke in this business together. He was told he was never going to make it as an older guy. I was wow. told I was never going to make because I was too young of a guy. So we kind of found a happy medium with those two stories and became great friends years ago. And we stayed together the whole way through. Speaking of rookie of the year, I heard I heard DDP tell a funny story. I think it must have been after like he was rookie of the year. The following year, he like he finds the magazine and he says, "Who's Ray Mysterio? I'm gonna go find this guy." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> little did we know that's gonna be a household name. So were you were you uh staying at DDP's house then for a little bit? I still am. Um, I'm at. Oh, I'm really? Living at the accountability. I'm at the accountability crib. Um, yeah, I stay there. Um, I've, I've been there. I've, I've got a home in Ackworth. I just, um, it's just worked out better for me to stay. You know, stayed out here until I got through with my aftercare because it was right by all the stuff I had to do, and my aftercare is just a mile away. The gym's right here. So, and you know, my head of my support team, Steve Hugh which is, you know, him and Dallas are, are, you know, best friends. And now Steve and me are great friends. And he takes, he, he takes care of me and he leads my team. And he's just, he's got the brains behind everybody at DDPY. And so, um, you know, it's just, it's great to have him on as my, as my leader of helping me out. So for him to be hands-on with me down here to stay down here is better. Yeah. It sounds like you're in a good place. A great place. And I'm at the PC right now. This is where this is Dallas's performance center. They call this the house that Shank, uh, Shark Tank built because they oh, went on Shark Tank and on made like millions of dollars just on just oh, wow. putting the DDPY on, you know, the Shark Tank. Sure. Was uh, Scott there, Scott Hall? When you Scott were there? and Jake came through the accountability crib at the same time. And um, Jake was like Dallas's number one guy who was trying to help. But Scott kind of fell into the same, you know, same mold. And out of that, they both came out as WWE Hall of Famers. And uh, they did, they went in the same year. So it was kind of weird. Mm. I'm kind of, it's like, it's very special how they both were at the accountability crib and they both go to the Hall of Fame. And they both go in the same year. So, and actually, that actually saved Jake Roberts' life, but it added 10 years to Scott Hall's. I believe it. Yeah. So do you have any interest in uh, getting back in the ring? 100%. Any plans on trying to go to like AEW or maybe hit up WWE again? You know, I don't I don't really know that deep and good. I mean, I just there's no doubt in Mark Bagwell's mind that I am going to be back in the ring again. There's no doubt. Um to what capacity? I don't think it's, it's even safe to say that one yet as far as which okay. company and stuff, but um, but I, I just want to know in my brain, the goal that I've set was to get me clean and sober. Um, I've, 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 I've did that goal, which is great. Again, it's not over. It never really is. So I love that. I've embraced that. I've taken that on. But at the same time, it's time for a new goal that Marcus Bagger needs to work toward. And that is I'm going to be back in the ring again, no doubt. When you're in the gorilla position, do you ever get nervous? Like when you hear your music turn on? I don't know, man. I think your true your true stars at that stage, at that much of a you know crossroad right there of the go position, it's it's just time to step up. You know, you got to almost yeah. get you're almost cocky right there. Um, 
you know, I know I am. <laughs> Is it maybe I'm that's like myself how great I am? <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's like where your persona takes over. Like we're in that very moment. It's like all right, it's you, gotta, you gotta switch. You gotta switch the switch sometime, and the switch starts right there. And then when you walk out that crowd and see the people, and you go into your my dance or whatever it is you're doing, yeah. it just the people and the pyro, and then you're in, man. Uh, what are your workouts like these days? Um, I do what I do is I can't do legs now because my knees hurt, but uh, oh, right, until yeah. until that gets healthy again, I do a hmm. body part. I do one body part a day. People that do two body parts a day is borderline on overtraining, I think. Uh, and the best I ever looked at my life was chest day one, back day two, legs day three. Uh, shoulders and arms. A five-day routine is the Mac Daddy. Um, five days is a lot, though, for anybody. Um, so chest try, back by, legs to break it up, and then shoulders is the other great routine. And that's kind of what we do now. We do chest try, back by, legs, no legs, shoulders. We take a day off and do shoulders. So you have a little time off between everybody. And um, that routine works good. People that try to do too much, I think, a week, you just end up overtraining a little bit. So, you know, I just believe in just hitting the one body part with a little try, big body part like back with a little bit of buy. And I do a day off and hit big shoulders. And then I do a, another arm workout during the week, if possible, to get a, an arm workout on the same day. So it's one body part again, you know. Sure. And then what are you doing for like dieting? Dieting is what I is what brought me to the table as Buck Bagwell is. I do I do the zero carbs during the week or whatever you start for six days. And then the seventh day you carb load, which means you eat everything you want to eat all day long. But okay. then the next day you go right back to zero carbs. And when you really start checking out your carbs, you'll see that zero carbs is really, really, really hard to do. So you're just eating probably like grilled chicken a lot and like a lot of meat. broccoli. You can do you can do fibrous carbs like broccoli okay. and cauliflower and things like that. But if you ask Alexa or your phone, any just ask it if what's in a cup of anything and everything's got carbs in it man everything it's just you want it to be fibrous carbs instead of like you know complex carbs your complex carbs are your potatoes and your rices and you know um uh your pancakes and your breads and cereals and it just it just i mean the other day i was i, I was I, I was doing a lollipop a tootsie roll lollipop and just my brain is really clicked into the carbs again you know and i said alexa and i asked how many Carbs were in a lollipop, 17 grams of carbs in a lollipop. I got that sucker and threw it. I was like, you gotta be kidding. So it's really hard to do, man. I was at, um, I was at a gas station somewhere and they had this like, uh, new organic tea. It had 60 grams of sugar on it. When I read the can, I was like, what is organic about this? It's like, yeah, that's, that's why you can't get caught up on the gluten free and all that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Dallas is very adamant about it, and he's correct. 
But I think people get tied up in that instead of just worrying about the word carbohydrate. I mean, it's a bad word, man. It's uh, If you're trying to do something with your weight, if I was going to write a book as Buff Bagwell on how to look like Buff Bagwell did, it would be titled Carbs and Cardio. Those carbohydrates and cardio is a huge factor in how you look and how good you're going to look. It may not be how healthy you are. That's where gluten and things like that come in maybe. But as far as just weight loss and be healthy, you can, you just can't go wrong with a high protein, low, 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 low carb and low fat. Do you can't take lose. any like whey protein or anything like that either? I live on uh, a, a whey protein, but it's I found a protein powder that has zero uh, carbs in it, zero sugars, zero carbs, ISO pure. And you just got to look on the back and like you just did too with your tea, yeah. it looks all healthy and pretty on the front, yeah. right? You turn <laughs> on the back. I mean, and it's, you know, it's got 60 grams of sugar. I mean, 60 grams of sugar is, you might as well just say 60 grams of fat because that's what it turns into your body. Yeah. What was your protein intake like back in the day? Protein intake for anybody across any board of what they're trying to do in any capacity. If they're trying to build any kind of muscle, you do one gram of pound one gram of protein per gram of, per pound of body weight okay. so in my heyday i was 230 that's 230 grams of protein per day every day well and then to top it off i also like to do a little bit of tanning just to get it get some color in there. <laughs> i got burned the other day i'm red i was like what happened <laughs> how long did you go in for they, they changed the bulb they tried to talk me into to only going five and I went ten <laughs> yeah I, I uh I have to do the stand up one because I fall asleep in the lay down tanning like every time well, I always stand up. In the old days they went thirty minutes, man. I used to fall asleep in that all the time, but now they just go ten, you know. Thirty minutes. That's gotta be like a low, a low bulb. Like that's way before you were born. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew about tanning bed. I mean, people came all around just to see our tanning bed at our house. Really? Oh yeah. Nobody had a tanning bed at their house, you know, nobody. What the? So you know, I'd go to schools uh, I go to school as a freshman and I, I was all tan. Everybody's like, how do you tan? I'm like, I got a tanning bed. They're like, I'm tanning what? And then come look, people come look at the house like, what is that? It's, like, it's a bed you lay in. The only other like time I've seen a tanning bed in, in a house is on the Jersey Shore. I don't know if you've watched that show before. Oh, yeah. Jim Tan Laundry. Exactly. See, you know, you know what's up. Are we going to see any more of you like doing like uh, skits? Like I saw you did like the Mr. Rogers like thing. Hey, yeah, we're, just having, we're having fun with it. We, um, um, you know, around here, that's, that's what we do. There's, uh, it's a production company around here. So we're, hmm. uh, did you see the skit with me in Dallas over Christmas? I didn't know. He, uh, he, did, I'll send it to you. He did, he does, he did a, a thing where he was um, uh, Rob, Bob Boss, uh, Ross. Oh, sure. Bob yeah, the painting Ross. guy. Yeah. yeah, the painting guy. He had the wig on and all that. And I was Mr. Rogers or Mr. Bagwell. And he was he was the Bob guy. And it was just so funny, man. He was doing the painting and we get in a fight. He diamond cuts me over it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was good stuff. But yeah, we're going to do some more stuff like that for sure. Have you ever thought about like doing a Twitch? Like uh, yeah, we're getting ready to do some more stuff like that. 
like we just have it. People are like asking for more of the Mr. Bagwell stuff, so we're never going to give them to him. Like it'd be awesome if you played like one of the old WCW Mayhem games, like live on Twitch or something like that. That'd be dope. Yeah, we're going to do something like that coming up for sure. Also, we got to give a shout out to my buddy Buff Pro. What's up, Dane? Do you have any merch you want to plug or anything like that? Man, just check me out. I'm on my. The best way to find me out there is go to MarcusBuffBagwell.com. That takes you to my website, and there you can go to all of my, um, you know, to my Facebook and Instagram and um, all my, you know, social media stuff. You can go to their Twitter, all that. But everything's pretty much Marcus Buff Bagwell. Uh, Twitter is Mark Buff Bagwell because whatever reason, they don't allow that many letters. But the best way to do it is go to MarcusBuffBagwell.com. Check out my website, and you can go to any, all the four links to get to all my social media stuff. But um, I'm really diving into the Twitter thing right now and um, just just trying to get back out there in the social media and just, you know, just got this sobriety thing where now I can start dabbling into some more stuff and uh, just getting excited, just trying to take podcasts and stuff, just getting just getting back out there to let everybody know I'm still here. I was talking to you yesterday, you went golfing, you had to swing with one arm. I don't know if you were kidding or not. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not kidding, but it's... Um, the reason why is my right knee won't allow me to hold two hands. So I hold a crutch in this hand hmm. and I swing with one hand, but I'm competitive. Okay. So you still do. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I, I win. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How. A- athlete. All right. As always, you are buff. You are the stuff and the girls just cannot get enough. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you, brother. <laughs> All right, it is the end of the podcast, which means it is time to answer your questions. Clint, who do you watch on YouTube? So I've pared it down to three. Right now, who I watch the most is Urban Rescue Ranch. Shout out to Ben and all the work he's doing there with all the animals that need rehabilitation. Then I watch Hacksmith. That's another channel I really like. And then there's another channel I watch sometimes called Pretty Much It. It's sort of like uh, Mystery Science Theater. They'll find these kind of strange movies you've never heard of before. Like, do you remember the weird movies you could get on Redbox that were like, they weren't movies, but they kind of were. They were just kind of filmed in a weird way that didn't look like a real movie. They find stuff like that and they add commentary to it. If you like this episode, you can virtually punch that subscribe button. You can also hit me up on all the socials. Also go hit up Buff Bagwell or Marcus Bagwell, I should say. And that's our show for this week. Take care. Yeah, 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 yeah